It's the least contentious peanut gallery in history. I'm Cooper Powers, and this is Unquote. Hey listeners, so glad you could join me again. This week we have our first hat trick unquote. That is quotes number 4, 23, and eking in at number 99 on AFI's Top 100 Movie Quotes list. The movie in question, 1939's The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland. Number 4's line is probably the most notable. Dorothy has just stepped out of her wind-tossed Kansas house, and she is taking in the marvelous colors for the first time. She has her dog clutched closely to her, and she says with a rather high degree of certainty, Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Number 23 is a breathy sigh of relief for many road-weary traveler upon their return. For Dorothy clacking her heels together, it was a simple plea, and she said, There's no place like home. And finally, line number 99, for those who didn't like Dorothy and aren't a big fan of puppies, the Wicked Witch is your gal. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. <laughs> Technicolor, synchronicity, and suicide, oh my. Plenty of colorful subjects to talk about this week with my guest and producer of the Rogue Intel Podcast Network, Duff. The audio wizard behind the microphone and a great producer. Because of the wonderful things he does. Three, two. With the excellent count in by my favorite producer, Duff, uh, leader of the um, Prime podcast on Rogue Intel. I'm really glad to have you on the show today, man. How you doing? Hey, nice to be here, man. Excellent, excellent. I know you had some uh, technical difficulties with with your with your toys earlier, but we and and I as well. Uh, but we got it all worked out now, and we're, um, we're all nerds. What, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Would we really be happy if we weren't tweaking something? It's true. It's true. And um, and today you are a special guest, not just for the fact that you have been such a kind and informative and helpful producer to me, but also you are part of the first trifecta quote. Uh, one of the one of only uh, two or three on the list, I believe, of AFI's list. So. Distinguished guest, be honored. Yeah, I, I, I really am. Uh, what movie are we doing? We are doing The Wizard of Oz today, Duff. And um, like I said, we got three quotes from it, and they're all pretty, pretty heavy hitters um, in terms of uh, staying power throughout the years. Like you said, this is an eighty-plus-year-old movie, and it, I mean, it holds up. I mean, it's so, so, such, such whimsical lines. You know, don't fade easily from memory. No. And so the lines that uh, in question that that we're going to talk about are the first one is. Uh, I mean, it's near the top of the list. It's Toto. We're not. I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Said by Judy Garland. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Almost a double entendre, because well, geographically, yeah, they're not in Kansas anymore. But there's so much more to that line. Yeah, I mean, d- delve into that. What what do you what do you what jumps out at you right off the bat? Well, you think of it this way, and and let's let's put aside the whole dark side of the moon uh, synchronicity. <laughs> uh, right, right. You know when you know because if you if you rem- if you all right if you are a smoker of the marijuana, uh, then you've probably done the whole synchronicity thing where at the uh, at the at the beginning of the third MGM Lion Roar, you hit play on your DVD of uh, Dark Side of the Moon from Pink Floyd. Well, it syncs up and money starts playing exactly when. Uh, the, the, you get color, you, you know, you're in, you're in, uh, the land of Oz and you get color. So, you know, putting all of that aside, uh, you, Dorothy and Toto just went through one heck of a twister and Dorothy wakes up and opens the door to color. Not, I mean, you know, coming from her point of view, she sees in color everyone but Toto. Uh, or Terry, as the real <laughs> or Terry, dog's right. name is, uh, it sees in black and white, but everyone else sees in color. But in 1939, there were color movies out there, but not many good ones. 
Right. And then you look at this. So Dorothy opens up into the land of Oz, and it's a completely different world. She has no idea where she is. You know, if if you weren't tripping before, you're tripping now. And it's just you, you, you're you so used. And imagine, you know, not even seeing any trailers back when trailers back when trailers weren't even a thing right so you you see the sepia tone you're like oh what a what a crazy little tale about a girl getting swept off her Kansas farm and then she opens the door and you're just like what is going on right now you know yeah and um so yeah definitely a uh definitely a, a big uh revealing moment for the movie um do you have any um any kind of like personal ties to the movie like you remember when you first saw this maybe or you know, what kind of impact it might have left on you? As a whole, it probably ties into one of my first media-fueled moments as as a child. Uh, you, you, we've all got earliest memories that we right. remember. Well, one of my first memories sitting down watching uh, a, a square box uh, when I was a little kid was probably The Wizard of Oz. I, this was one of those movies that just like it's a wonderful life you you saw it every year they played it on television every year it was inescapable it was it really was and you know back in the day when i had my vhs copy or i should say my mom had the vhs copy because <laughs> uh, i didn't own anything at that point in my life right and uh you know just looking back it was just such a priceless moment for me and and now going back i, I did watch it uh earlier this week and i've got the 75th anniversary blu-ray edition totally remastered frame for frame recoloring and you know i i've had it for a couple of years uh or, or at least since it was released and i never actually got a chance to watch it and i i put it in yesterday and i have a, a 4k television Yes. So, uh, hence, hence your nerd cred steadily increasing. <laughs> oh, that's nothing. I've got a server that I'm building back here. <laughs> but uh, I digress. So, I've got a 4K television. So, when I say that I teared up when the movie oh, transitioned into color, that should tell you just how good the recoloring process really was. I mean, it really. When I say it holds through for being, you know, eighty, almost eighty years old, it holds. Through. They have done this so much justice. That is awesome, man. And I, I mean, I've only ever seen it in the grainy VHS that you spoke of earlier. And I mean, that's really? that's how. Yeah, I, I've I've yet to. I actually, um, when I found it online, I uh, I was watching it on my computer. I didn't have a, a high quality display, and I was just trying to get it under my belt so I'd uh, you know have a frame of reference to talk about. I didn't splurge on any high def or anything like that. So, so I really need to. Let me get this straight. Okay. Uh, we're talking about nerd cred, and you haven't <laughs> gotten, you, you never got the 1997 release of the unremastered. It was basically just a, a, a tape to digital transfer. Uh, you didn't get the 1998 remaster, uh, I believe, for the 50th anniversary. And, and, and you didn't get the 2004 DVD either? Hey, I didn't say I had stacked nerd cred. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, yeah, you got to. You're holding my feet to the fire, and I appreciate it. I need to get on this, man. All right, well, maybe we should hit the pause button. You should book a flight <laughs> out here, and we should sit here. And, and what the heck? Let's put on Pink Floyd while we're doing it. Yeah, let's do it, man. And, and let's watch the 4K version, or the up, <laughs> the progressively upscaled 4K version, because it's actually it's a 1080p remake. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on Expedia right now. This is going to happen. <laughs> J- just as it was something to audience goers in the theater the first time i know that there's something missing now you know with all the extra marbles and of technology that we have now there's got to be something that that i can pick up on you know well the the time that i've watched it let let me let me tell you one thing about the 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 quality you can see the freckles on judy garland's face See, who who would have known she would have had freckles watching watching a a ripped vhs copy from 1997 (laughs) But uh, yeah, you know, just to speak to the ubiquity of it, you just even if even if you're just in somebody's house that you probably don't know very well. I mean, if you dug deep enough in their closet, there's a shoebox somewhere with some old VHS tapes. People own The Wizard of Oz. It was everywhere. It is everywhere. Oh, you yeah. know, in well, some shape or form. It was released in every major. I mean, it was released in Super 8. It was released on Reel to Reel. It was released on Laserdisc. It was released on uh, DVD. I think three times. Blu-ray twice, 
VHS, Betamax. It was released on every possible format. Yeah. So there's there's no shortage of copies out there. So that's that's a warning to all you to stack your nerd cred. Unlike me, go out and get yourself a, a high high resolution copy and treat yourself. Yeah. How old would you say you were when you first saw it? Oh, geez, uh, probably four or five. Four or five. I would like to say I was probably about six or seven, and I remember watching it at my aunt's house the first time. Same here. And yeah, and she. Um, <laughs> This is a long, This is a, a, a small little powers dig. I'm sure my family will know what I'm talking about. But she also had this old, really creepy uh, kind of. A, I think it was an Italian version of Pinocchio. It was really? a live action. Yes, Duff. Look, forget nerd cred. Talk about just surviving. You know, keeping your your mental psyche from breaking when you're a young child. That is one of the creepiest films ever to be put on film. Like it's just, it's really weird and it's kind of like. It's got this kind of carnival, you know, strange vibe to it. And it's it's live action is what I'm getting at. So they had this we're, we're getting off the subject. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it was next it was next to that film. And uh, I remember so I, I decided one day I was like, I don't want to wet the bed anymore after I watch this one. Why don't we watch The Wizard of Oz? And she was like, <laughs> Okay, great. So uh Oh so how she put wrong that, you were. Yeah, exactly. And uh those flying monkeys, man, I'm telling you. But yeah, that was my earliest memory. And I I mean even being as young as I was, I knew there was something special about this movie. Just how, just how the way they set things up, and just the type of, I mean, just the sound that they used, and the and the way that they, you know, shot the house spinning around, and um, just the, all the clever things that they were able to do with their limited resources that they have. And then you see the Technicolor shine through, and you're just like, yeah. whoa, this is this is this is indeed a whole new world. I'm old enough to understand Dorothy's plight right now, you know. So, well, here's and you fun- saw it at your aunt's house. Yeah, here, here's a fun fact. I, I saw it at my aunt's. It was my aunt and my grandma's house. Uh, they they lived together. Uh, mm-hmm. Here's a fun fact. The, the the house spinning around was actually a uh, it was a miniature house built at like some insanely small scale, but right. then it was dropped off of a thirty foot ladder onto a soundstage, and sp- it was sped down. It was filmed in slow motion and then reversed. To get the uh, to get the the effect that we see on screen, and Interesting. that was that was the first time that had ever been done. And yeah. speaking of thirty foot distances, uh, the 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 twister that uh, that that of course we all saw uh, towards the beginning of the movie, that was actually a thirty five foot long piece of well, how do I say it? I guess the modern equivalent would be a piece of pantyhose. Oh, so it was like it was a woman's stocking, and they just kind of twirled it around, or what? Well, they had it connected to a base on the floor below oh, okay. the, the 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 set. Oh, to give it to give it that that vortex yes. cylindrical shape. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, is that is that in the uh, <laughs> is that in the Betamax extended edition uh, <laughs> special features? I do not know. I I, I never was a Betamax owner. Uh, that is definitely in the 50th anniversary special edition. Uh, Angela yeah. Lansbury actually hosted a behind the scenes story and it was like an hour long, uh, featurette uh, about the, the, like the, the, what went into the movie. And it was also right. included in the 75th anniversary Blu-ray. And okay. Now <laughs> bear with me. Angela Lansbury is a former Golden Girl? No, Angela Lansbury, she played a murder mystery uh, private detective. Murder, she wrote? Exactly, murder, she wrote. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I'm I'm catching up, I'm catching up. Yeah, she played Jessica Fletcher. She also played Mrs. Potts in the, I believe, 1994 uh, animated classic Beauty and the Beast. I do know one thing. I don't know how I know this, but... In terms of you know uh, visual effects, the poppy scene where they fall asleep. Yes, that wasn't obviously it wasn't real snow, but it wasn't like some fine powder. I'm pretty sure it was like ground up asbestos or something like <laughs> yes, that. Yes, it was. It was 100 <laughs> percent industrial grade crystallite asbestos, mm. despite the fact that the health hazards of asbestos had been known for several years. Look, dedication to the craft, man. Yes. That's all I got to say. And the, the scarecrow definitely wasn't catching on fire in the uh, in the poppy field with that stuff. No, um, no, for sure. I can't. I don't remember how I knew that, but I did remember somebody laughed when they saw the scene 
when I watched it so many years ago, I was like, well, what's so funny? And they said, that's actually, you know, a carcinogen, actually. That's asbestos. So I was like, oh, that's, that's not good. Yeah. But uh, moving on to the, uh, to the second line, it's uh, there's no place like home. It is, it is one of the last, you know, one of the last lines towards the end of the movie. But, um, you know, there's no place like home. That's, I mean, that's, it's not, it's not such a standout line from the movie as it is more of a tugging at your heartstrings kind of overall good feel type line. You yeah. know, you're, you're seeing Dorothy come full circle. You're, you're, you're cheering for her to get back home. And you want to know that the shoes are working, that she's going to get to see her aunt and uncle again. And, you know, it's just, it's just it's kind of a nice button-up line, I think, yeah. for, for a really standout thing. Um, what do you think about it? Well, I really love that line of the movie, not so much because of where it places and, and what it means to Dorothy. I mean, we all, are, like you said, are cheering for Dorothy and making sure that the shoes actually work. But it's, it's one of those lines that are totally relatable to anyone in any walk of life. For example, me, like when I first made it on my own and I first, uh, you know, moved into my own place and uh, was, was paying my own bills and buying my own it's, food. It's thrilling. It's thrilling. It is thrilling, but the first time the lights go out because you can't pay the electric bill, <laughs> that's what, thrilling. What are you thinking? There's no place like home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then yeah. later on in life, you you know you buy your first house and and you get everything just the way you want it, and you, and you build a family, and you know, hey, there's no place like home, and that that transitions into being your own home, not mom and dad's place. Right. And uh, it, it's only after. It's only after you see the the, uh, the the worst aspects of it. It's only after you see the kind of hardships that you've already come through, not unlike Dorothy, that you can really, really appreciate the feeling of you know going back home and and being safe and secure. Just like I'm sure Dorothy felt as she was clacking her heels together. Yeah. And um, the only red pair of red shoes I own are my uh, nice house slippers. But uh, <laughs> you know I, I walk around, I, I clack heels a little bit now and again. It's not so bad. It's kind of a nice feeling. There's no place like home besides it being on every starter needlepoint beginner tutorial on to put on a pillow. Uh, I mean, it's it's a pretty self-explanatory line. It was number 23, I think, and um, and for good reason. You know, it, it's it's up there with the best of them. Really, just as a solid, you know, following through a point to drive home. She's ready to get home. Yeah. And um, now, let me ask you: Have you seen um, Oz the Great and Powerful? I never oh, did see it. Man. When I heard James Franco was going to be playing the the great and powerful, like I I love James Franco. I absolutely adore him. I am a huge fan of Freaks and Geeks. I am a huge yeah. fan of Franco just in general. But when I heard that he was playing the great and powerful Oz, I really didn't know what to expect. But when I did see the great and powerful, it was it was amazing. It was. It was really. It, it's kind of one of those situations where, like, you look at Mary Poppins and then you look at Saving Mr. Banks. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like yeah. that movie is so important into the storyline of the classic that we all grew up with. I mean, I, I, you know, again, we're talking classics here, Wizard of Oz, uh, and then of course, also in 1939, partially by the same director was. That that other night that other nineteen thirty nine classic, Gone with the Wind. Exactly, Gone Gone yeah. with the Wind. Uh, and and you know and and you, so you look at those movies. You look at Mary Poppins. Those are childhood classics. We all grew up with them. We've all seen them. But equally as important to Mary Poppins and and Saving Mr. Banks was the and, and Saving Mr. Banks for those who don't know is the story of how Mary Poppins almost didn't get made into a movie. Right. And just a great movie. Tom Hanks killed that role because uh, Tom Hanks, American sweetheart. We, you know, yeah, exactly. You've, you've, you've heard this before. Yes, it's yeah. it, it is known. It is known. So getting to see the the the, I guess the the sequel or the prequel to the Wizard of Oz, or, or it's just it, yeah, it really gives you. It's it's like watching witches on Broadway or. Uh, not witches, um, wicked. What you're saying is, is that it's all the better for it. Yeah, it, it grows and it builds onto the universe. I had heard of it. I knew of its existence, but now I'm going to have to check it out and give it a fair shake. You really should. Because the universe is fascinating in and of itself. Frank Baum did an excellent job, if you don't know. This was based on 
uh, a book that Frank Baum wrote. He was telling uh, a bunch of school children the story. Um, I don't think he had quite gotten it published yet or maybe had not gotten it down on paper. But he was telling all these fantastical stories about Dorothy and Yellow Brick Road, the Emerald City. And one of the children asked, well, Mr. Baum, what's the name of the world called? And he hadn't thought of one yet. He glances over at a filing cabinet, <laughs> and he sees he sees the uh, delineation O through Z. And it just comes to him. He says, well, it was the land of Oz, of course, O-Z. So I thought that was kind of a neat thing. And uh, so you're saying James Franco pulls off a bald cap pretty well. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> Excellent. And then there's Mia Kunis, obviously, you know. She's she's hot. She's in there. I love Mila Kunis, like for so many different reasons. Uh, I, I mean, how can you not love Meg from Family Guy? Yes, but I, like I, I again, I love Mila Kunis. But yeah, she really pulled off a, a, a rather serious role in that movie. Before I make mention of the third line, do you did you have any other lines that you thought may have had some some good weight to them or something to kind of maybe tack onto the list if they ever amended it or anything like that? I had a few written down. Uh, there are so many lines from that movie that could be segregated from the rest. There, yeah, that that could be pointed out and say, hey, this is great literary history right here. Um, I, I, me, I'm I'm more of a take it all in at once kind of guy. But okay. I, I'm very interested to hear what you've got written down. Most people don't know this. It may just be the beard and the bald head combo. May come off a little aggressive. I'm actually kind of a big sweetheart. I'm a big, I'm, I'm I'm somewhat of a teddy bear. Duff. <laughs> uh, the the line said by the Wizard of Oz. He said, "Hearts will never be practical until they can be made unbreakable." Yes. And when I when I saw that, because I haven't seen this movie, like I told you, in the better part of maybe seven or seven or eight years. Um, I don't know why it's been so long, but you know, you you gain perspective as you get older. And when you hear something like that, and you know somebody was very, you know, heartfelt when they wrote it, and you know they they really put a lot of effort and soul into how they wanted the person to say it, and how you know with the circumstance surrounding it, you just kind of take back and you take a little scope of it, and you're just like, man, that's that's a pretty damn good line. Hearts will never be practical until they can be made unbreakable, and that's obviously when the wizard is giving the Tin Man his his heart. And um, so I, I really like that one. That was one of the ones that really just jumped out at me for for some reason. I think the scarecrow. It was a pretty clever line. And you, and that's the other thing is if I can make mention of just the cleverness of the writing back then. You know, you had so many characters, but they all just felt so distinguished. Not just because of costume, but because of their you know inner character. You know, like you can have a movie with tons of characters. I'm sure you know, and none of them really get fleshed out. And this was quite a large cast, I think, even for maybe back in the day. I don't know. One line. The other one that I had was um, the only reason I wrote it was because I tried saying it as fast as she did, The Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> it was such a huge mouthful. like It just sounded comical coming out of her. Dorothy throws the water on her, and then she says, I'm going to try to do it in real time here, Duff, okay? <clears throat> I'm melting. Oh, what a world. Who would have thought a beautiful little girl like you could destroy my beautiful wickedness? Like... <laughs> She literally says it that fast. Like, how do you do that? I, I, it's crazy. I, I do not know. I really do not. And that was that was my real uh, falsetto Wicked Witch voice. Yeah, I just thought that was quite the mouthful. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I already asked you, but if you had any written down, if, if you got anything that jumps out at you. I, I do. I, I, don't, I didn't write down any, but I do have some lines that really jump out. Uh, Lay it on me. You were talking about the comedic factor that went into the writing and right. the character development of this movie. And, uh, like, for example, Uncle Henry, uh, and, and it really doesn't play in and of itself, but if you remember the scene, uh, he went on to say, oh, she bit her dog, eh? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just the, the, the absent-minded wit that went into that was just great. Uh, right. You had mentioned a quote from The, the Wizard of Oz, and, and I've got one. Uh, it's, uh, I, I believe it's something like, a heart is not judged by how much you love, but how much... But but by how much uh, you are loved by others, yeah. And granted, it's a little bit long to put in an AFI list, but that definitely holds true. Yeah, yeah. Look at it kind of like a character study. Maybe you've got the scarecrow. Sure. He doesn't. He doesn't have a brain, right? You've got the Tin Man. He doesn't have a heart. You've got the lion. He doesn't have courage. But you know, at the end, it's it's proven that they all do really contain these things, even though they thought the contrary. But Back in you know 1939, there was still I think a good amount 
a good healthy amount of uh, you know old school wisdom that I think went into trying to relay things to people, especially in a medium like movies. You know, you you always talk about, oh yeah, man, they they, they built the old school, man. They they like doing things the old fashioned way, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but you know, there's there's always a little bit of shred of truth to that. You know, they they valued courage. You know, having a good brain. You know, having having a decent heart to you. I mean, I'm a quarter of a century old. I'm I'm no spring chicken or anything, but you're young and you you, <laughs> you you start to think about these things in the context of a worldview, especially in a modern world like ours, where you know things can get pretty zany. I think you'd agree with that. Um, we, we were just talking about totally checking out of <laughs> the debate a couple <laughs> nights ago. Yes. Um, but you look at all those things, grand total, and you're just like, man, you know, there there really is something to to being the best that you can be, even if you don't think you are, you know, as long as you try to make it shine through in your actions, not unlike the scarecrow and the, the tin man's bravery and the lion's bravery. And it all kind it all comes kind of full circle. I don't know exactly where I was going with that, but it sounded good. So <laughs> it seems like most of my life is rambling, <laughs> but anyway, here's a few commercials for you showing you some of the other great content on the Rogue Intel podcast network. What's up guys. Be sure to check out now that I'm older on the Rogue Intel podcast network. Me and Kenny sit down and talk about how getting older sucks, but can be awesome at the exact same time. We also look at pop culture, review a few movies, share some personal stories, and just basically poke fun at the world around us. Be sure to check out Now That I'm Older on the Rogue Intel Podcast Network. Here at RogueIntel.com, we strive to entertain and to stimulate. From nerd rage to outrage, from goofing off to deep thoughts, we've got you covered. The only way we really know how you all feel is to hear and see feedback. And that's more than a thumbs down, thumbs up proposition. Tweet us or write us on Facebook. Review any show on iTunes. Or, to really mix it up with us, join the forums for access and insight on each show, its creators, and what everyone else who listens like you do feels about it. Feedback, because we're starving for it. Thanks for your patience. Now back to the show. Well, speaking about bravery, uh, a line that really jumps out was, uh, I'm not good with lines, I'm not good with quotes, but uh, it was basically when Dorothy got uh, taken by the witch. And and the lion says, all right, I'll go in for Dorothy. Uh, You know, witch or no witch, uh, guard or no guard, I'll tear them apart. And uh, then he goes on to say, you know, I might not come out alive, but I'm going in there. There's only one (laughs) thing I want you fellas to do. And everyone says, what's that? And he says, talk me out of it. You know, just, I do like that one. Uh, it's such a great line. That's that's the uh, that's the line from uh, from Greenwich, from Greenwich Village in New York, right? Hey, talk me out of it. <laughs> Are we going to talk about Annie M's famous line? Annie M's famous line. What hit, re- refresh my memory? Amira Gulch. Just because you own half the county doesn't mean that you have the power to run the rest of us. For twenty three <laughs> years, I've been dying to tell you what I thought of you, and now, well, being a Christian woman, I can't say it. <laughs> like we, I, 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 I wouldn't call myself a Christian woman by any regards, but uh, right. <laughs> I, you know, I've had that feeling towards several individuals. Yeah, you just want to tear them a new two bedroom, three bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, again, just kind of going back to the old fashioned thing. People were just a little bit more tight lipped when it came to their feelings. I guess I don't know. I don't know why I'm making such a connection to to old fogeyism. I don't know. I need to I need to quit that. I'm young, dude. I gotta I gotta snap out of that. You're an old soul. I'm an old soul, I suppose. <laughs> hey, look, I owned a shower radio when I was 14, so uh, <laughs> you tell me. Well, I still I, I like I still plan on getting a Bluetooth speaker that's waterproof. Or, yeah, I mean, we're in you? a Ziploc. Uh, that way, I can actually listen to my podcasts while I'm cleaning up. Exactly. See, I was I was ahead of the curve when I was 14. I was in the shower. I was like, what if they made something that was wireless and you could listen to the radio on it? Anyway, nobody nobody knows genius in its own time. That's what the, that's how the saying goes anyway. Now, one line that I noticed that I think has really transcended more than any of them cuz I mean, it's been lampooned and spoofed a lot. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh, oh my. my. Yeah. Yeah. What how how did that not make the list? What? Well, I think it was more of a song. It was it, it was the intro to, to the to the song. So I I know what it was. I just I just realized. There I think I might have mentioned it in my first podcast. There was very not stringent, but there was a little bit of criteria for the lines to be on the list. 
One of them, they I think they had to be spoken. So I think that's probably the rule that ruled out the lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, because it was part of a sing-song type of, you know, although uh, technically mu- musical number. Although technically, the first line was spoken. That's very true. That's very true. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. AFI, get your shit together, man. What's, what's the deal here? And uh, and I guess the the last line that you know is is on the list and pure pure cheese factor. Uh, which is why it's subbed right below number 100 at 99 with, with uh, King of the World by Leo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah. Is, I'll get you my pretty and your little dog, too. I mean, it's the cheesiest quote in the movie. Uh, but yeah, it, yeah. I mean, can it, it, be, it, can it be cheesy? It wasn't, it's, not, it's not cheesy. It wasn't meant to be cheesy. And, and looking yeah. back at the movie as a whole, you throw that line in there and no, it fits in with the period. But, yeah, uh, you know, just going and saying it, you know, to some random stranger in the street. Uh, it's, it's definitely one of the cheesier things you can say to another individual. I mean, they, there, there were some scenes cut. I know this much. There were some scenes cut that were, uh, featured the wicked witch cause they th- were deemed kind of too scary for kids. I think is what the deal was. Oh yeah. And, well, uh, there, there was a lot of darker scenes too, uh, yeah. that, that were, that were ruled out. And, and you know, and at the same time, there were also some great musical numbers that were totally, uh, cut out just because a hey, the movie's too long, and this is before a time where movies really had a time cap. I mean, look at Gone with the Wind. How how long is that movie? It's it's at least nine hours long. I yeah. think it. Yeah, it's it was an hour an and a half. Hour time, and forty one minutes. Yeah, the time the time flew right by because you're because you're it's been ingrained in you. You're so used to it. You sing along with it. You know, it's great. Yeah, that's that's the mark of a true, truly great movie. It's it's over before you know it. Well, you can actually play uh, Dark Side of the Moon two and a half times throughout the entire movie. Ah, what is there any? Is there anything on the second repeat? That, it, there uh, is. There's a ton of stuff on the second repeat. I'm not going to go I, into it I, now. I gotta get on this, man. Yeah. You really do. Like you need to. You need to call your guy, and you need to get like a bag <laughs> of the guy, good stuff. The, the guy, the guy who owns the the pirated DVD, right? <laughs> not not the, not the illicit substance, right? Right. Yeah, and by baggie of good stuff, I mean a sealed copy of the Blu-ray. Right, right. And, you know, some snow caps or something to eat while I'm watching it. Sure, right? sure. Yeah. Some yeah, munchies. Yeah. Right, you sure. you got to have munchies. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I, <laughs> like, this this is going to age me a little bit. Uh, the first time I watched Synchronicity or Dark Side of the Rainbow, as uh, some, some potheads call it, uh, I actually had it rocking on VHS and a record player. Ooh, so, that's... That's old that's, school. That's pure dedication right there because oh, yeah. you 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 had to flip it like like eight, <laughs> eight, eight, eight times, seven times. And you know, if you if you paused it at the wrong moment, you you oh, fl- you're, you're throw, screwed. Yeah. You're you thrown off your groove. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cuz there is a synchronicity to it. You have to uh sync it up. You you have to start it at the at the beginning of the third MGM Lion Roar. Right. Otherwise, things don't sync up. And and yes, you do have the which which is which, and you do have the money, and you've got so many points in the first play around that do sync up perfectly. But providing you have the DVD copy of it, and you have it on auto repeat, or you're just using like a you know like a media playlist or whatever. Right. Uh, as long as you're doing repeat all, yes, it, it does sync up the second. And uh, e- even uh, through the first uh, couple of tracks off of the third play. Let me ask you this. At what, if if ever, at what point do you think this movie will kind of fall out of favor with any generation and be like, eh, you know, my kids, they probably won't like The Wizard of Oz. Because I can't, I can't think of anybody who hasn't shown it to their kids and the kids haven't loved it. Well, it's not as appealing as Star Wars. Uh, Very true. If you have kids, you, you're only a quarter of a century old. You, you're not right. married, so I'm assuming you don't have kids. I do not. But I have two. And they both adore not only the new stuff, not only the Lego stuff that's coming out, not only The Force Awakens, not only episodes one through three, but like both of my kids adore four, five, and six. You've raised them right. You've well, raised them right. Of course I have. <laughs> I I mean, come on, it's me we're talking about. Oh, well, yeah. But here's the thing. It doesn't have that appeal. It doesn't appeal to that sci-fi nerd in everyone. Uh, So I'm sure that there's a huge population of millennials that have never seen it. And it's, it's it's a damn shame. To say the that's least. A, that's a scary thought. 
it it is. But look how pathetic most millennials are. <laughs> Current company notwithstanding, yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. I yeah. mean, they're too busy making up words like Bay and YOLO. Selfie, you know. Well, yeah. selfie, selfie was around, but they popularized it. I don't know that selfie was around before that. <laughs> Webster's having a field day with all these new damn words going around. I will recommend this movie to anybody who hasn't seen it. I, I really would. I re- would really want people to perpetuate the great, you know, fantastic, whimsical story that it presents. You know, because like, because it's it's hard to it's hard to remain untainted nowadays, right? Yeah. So you know, you see all these huge splashes of color. You see all these action movies now when you're a kid. If there's just some sort of ripe age that you can catch them at and be like, just have them see that instant burst of color when she opens her screen door. That would just be that would be magic all over again. Well, you've got to rope them in when they are still of that 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 the uh, duct tape age. I call it yes, uh, the age when pretty much everything sticks. You've got uh, you've got certain songs from your childhood, certain movies from your childhood that you can recite line for line, verse for yeah. verse, and and you've got these new movies that are equally as good in the long run. But they don't mean halfway as much as the originals do, the classics do, because you were at an age where you were totally just your mind was turned to suck instead of blow. <laughs> you know, right. think of your mind as a as a shop vac. You were in sponge mode. Yeah. You suck in all this stuff, and it sticks with you for the rest of your life. And I think that no matter how old the movie gets, no matter how much our our society progresses into a new generation, I think that if you can wrap them in early to the classics, the, the movies that will never die, that is exactly how we'll get them not to ever die. Right. But it's got to be done early because I've got a 16 and a 20 year old and you try to show them a black and white movie now and they're like, get this stuff out of my face. It's, it's, it's a snore fest. Yeah. Yeah. But if you if you if you put them in front of it when they don't really have uh, a personality all of their own, uh, it really will uh, mean something to them as they age. The onus is on us as a generation. We have to we have to make these things stick. And they're great. They're great. They're great movies to stick to, I think. Well, I've got some uh, I've got some fun trivia if you are into that. I am into bits of tid. I'm into trivia. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, he- here's a fun fact. The little people, the midgets, the munchkins, whatever you want to call them, uh, they were paid for six-day work weeks, $50 a week. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. That's a pretty tidy sum back in the... Uh... Back in the 30s, yeah, sure. Yeah, back in the 30s, absolutely. Until you think about how much Terry, the dog that played Toto, was paid. Terry, Toto, yeah, sure. Which is how much? I, I I'm almost I'm almost scared to ask. There's no place like home. I want to get out of here. A hundred and twenty five dollars a week. Oh, shut up! No, he did not. <laughs> I I I, I shit you not. I mean, that's trivia. I guess you have to find it a little hard to believe. That's crazy. Yeah. I want. <laughs> there there was no screen actor lollipops guild for the Munchkins. I'm sure they were sh- probably were very misrepresent misrepresented in the film. I don't know. Uh, and of course, we all know the, the well. If you've got a brain. <laughs> <laughs> segue <laughs> then you all know about uh the 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 one scene that we grew up with that is no longer there and that's where uh there were rumors flying around rampant everyone was talking about it uh at the end of the sequence where dorothy and the scarecrow first meet the tin man and the three march off singing we're off to see the wizard uh there's a disturbance in the force now, there's a disturbance in the trees off to the right. Uh, this was long rumored to be one of the crew, or by some accounts, one of the dwarf actors committing suicide by hanging himself. And I, no. I kid you not, like you can see something falling off of a place of height and then dangling back and forth as they walk off into the sunset. What? Yes. Yes. And now. Somebody. <laughs> Now, there there have been conspiracy theories all over the place. Uh, the, the conspiracy, of course, was the hanging or blah, 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 whatever. Right, right. The conspiracy was enough for Warner Brothers to edit the footage, and in the remastered version, 
which first got released in 1998 on uh, VHS and DVD, the hanging munchkin is gone and now replaced by a large pink bird. Like, you cannot see it. So if you if you really, really want to, like, have that as a keepsake, <laughs> you want to get the 1997 direct transfer release of uh, the DVD. It's if you want to see... <laughs> Go it, ahead. It's not remastered. It's grainy. And like I said, it's a direct transfer from VHS. It doesn't have any special features. That didn't come until 98. But if you can pick up the 1997 release on DVD, it's still in there. If you want something lacking both courage, brains, and heart, and you want a little slice, <laughs> and you want a little slice of macabre with your wonderful tale of whimsy, then yeah, get the uh, get the direct to DVD transfer. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. That is scary, man. And you know, it just it, it flies right by you when you watch it. Probably the first time. That's it it really does. I, I I did pick it out. I think the second or third, like as I grew up and realized that there's more to life than what's right in front of you, I think I did pick up on it and uh, then come to find out years later that, yeah, a lot of people did. I wonder if uh, they planned, I mean, I wonder if there was any um, any serendipity with that, that one line in that Pink Floyd album. When, like as soon as you see the hanging thing, it, I'll see you on the dark side of the moon. <laughs> You know, that would be really creepy. That is uh, that is definitely something I need to do again. So I See, I need to find the 1997 release. Yeah, and, and find out what all it matches up with. Yeah. You need, need to do some deeper digging. Yeah, because I, I, I remember the big plots and the right. big synchronicities. But looking back now, I, I'm sure there is something. And, and you know, I don't know how they, they did it because... VCRs weren't around when the Dark Side of the Moon was uh, was was recorded. I, I did find a list of similarities or synchronicities with the Pink Floyd of the Moon, Dark Side of the you know Pink Pink Floyd of the Moon. Wow, Pink Floyd, <laughs> uh, Dark Side of the Rainbow synchronicity thing. Uh, the song "On the Run" starts as Dorothy falls into the fence. Uh, the great gig in the sky begins when the tornado first appears. The song Us and Them is played when Dorothy meets the Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, the the line black and blue is repeated when they are talking to one another. Uh, Dorothy in her blue outfit and, of course, Wicked Witch in black. Right. And, uh, yeah, the lunatic is on the grass coincides with Dorothy first meeting the scarecrow. I bet that's a really cool moment. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and here's another one. This one this one hits really hard when you're watching it. When you first see Miss Gulch on her bicycle, the song Time starts with bells and alarms going off. Signifying what? Uh, like a, an a, alarm. a bike bell? Like, be oh, alarmed. Because okay. it was like a bunch. Now, granted, back in the 70s, we didn't have digital alarms to speak of. We did have them, but they were very rare. So right. when you hear a bunch of cuckoo clocks, grandfather clocks, and, and things like that going off all at once, which is what happens in the beginning of the song, Time, uh, after the musical interlude. Uh, so it, it really sets off like a, oh, wow, I should be alarmed kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I need to pay attention to, to who's on screen. What else What else was... Uh... Uh, side one of the original vinyl album, which, of course, I know because I've done it, uh, up to the <laughs> end of Great Gig in the Sky is exactly as long as the black and white portion of the film. You flip it over and the color signifies the start of the song Money. And here's another one while we're waiting. As, Dor okay. as Dorothy's listening to the Tin Man's Chest, the album ends with the famous heartbeat sound effect. Oh. So she's, she's pounding on the Tin Man's heart and you're hearing boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom. I was just about to say, I, I kind of, I think maybe a missed opportunity, but only in retrospect, obviously. Another brick in the wall, Yellow Brick Road. That would have been pretty. That would have been pretty sick to sync up. That would have. Maybe it syncs up with the greatest hits. I, I have no idea. Yeah, and I, I know that there's several albums that you know you can kind of do the synchronicity with. Yeah. Well, um, the, I mean, I've seen like the Who's synchron, uh, the, like the, the, the there's like. Uh, uh, there's a there's like a Who album that goes along with another movie. I I can't remember, but the the one the only and I've seen a, a couple of them because I was an you know I was uh I, I was an, an intelligible uh, teenager at one time that pretty much listened to whatever was like the pop culture. <laughs> Nothing really hit home like this synchronicity that we're talking about here. Like for example, as the Scarecrow sings, "If I Only Had a Brain," Pink Floyd sings, "Brain Damage." I'm I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing it upright. Yeah. You have thoroughly convinced me. <laughs> oh, and I and found my brain. Probably one of the funniest synchronicities in the song "Money." 
it happens when uh, they're they're you know they're they're talking to the the, the midgets uh, the the munchkins rather and uh, it, they're, they're all singing the they all start dancing during the solo for money yeah and the dance moves completely sync with money's solo and when you think of money I mean that's like a six four timing song it's a really offbeat time but yeah yeah for sure. But, but and they have those weird they have those weird stilted movements too so yeah it just totally syncs up so what's the finale like is there any big grand moment when uh, toto pulls back the curtain in, in terms of synchronicity like what's do you remember what song's playing when he pulls back the curtain i do not sir that that will i will make note of that well should we talk about uh unquotes hiatus let me give you guys a little bit of retrospect i'm actually the guy who was responsible for signing uh, unquote to the Rogantel network. And, he is, uh, in fact, the the wonderful man behind the curtain. <laughs> still, still with a full head of curly hair, and definitely not a humbug. But. Yeah, I am the great and powerful Duff. But uh, and you know, it wasn't just me. I, but I am, I am the guy who said, "All right, let's put this show to a vote." And then everyone who was a member of the network uh, got a, got their say. No matter if they were just a producer or a designer or whatever, they had their vote. And it was unanimous. Everyone's like, yeah, we definitely need to get the show on. So um, that's what started it, though. And, and I have been a huge fan, not only as a, as a spectator, as a consumer of podcasts, but even behind the scenes. Uh, dude, you and I have worked countless hours behind the scenes, uh, you know, working out technical issues and, and teaching you how to produce and, and edit. And uh, I think it was even me who who showed you audacity for the first time. <laughs> yes. And you you've you bless you. You've tried <laughs> to impress upon me so many times with so many things. But, you know, either I've I've had either I've been lacking time or mind, not unlike the scarecrow uh, or, you know, finances and just but you you've been. You've been a truly tremendous resource in that regard. I appreciate that. Oh, of course. And I would do it all over again. Uh, when, when you came to me a couple weeks ago and, and, and gave me the news of, uh, you know, hey, uh, new job position and no, no free time. And I have a, a steady relationship now and, you know, no free time. So it was really sad to hear that you were going to be going away from the, from the limelight. Uh, you know, especially when I was really upset to to realize that you were going to do the show in in seasons because uh, i wanted like a, you know once you know 52 episodes a year kind of thing going on and <laughs> so to, i wanted i wanted to do it too man yeah to find out that you guys were going to be taking a break uh it, you know it really hit home for me and uh it made me want to clack my heels together and say there's no place like home because <laughs> I, I, I really don't want you guys, you going anywhere. But, it, it, you know, such is life. So uh, after this season, you are you are uh, taking an, an indefinite hiatus. Is that uh, accurate? That is that is accurate, my friend. Uh, like You know, just for all the reasons you mentioned, not for lack of trying or not that because I'm not having fun what I'm doing. This has been one of the best experiences I've had. And I, I'm, I'm saying that with earnest. I really hope people believe me when I say that. I've loved working with you. I've loved being on your show. Like I said, bless you. When you've reminded me to plug other <laughs> plug other shows on the network, I get to see what other great content people are producing. You know, the Round Trip podcast, I love that one. I love Prime. Um, and we, I mean, we've got some new guys now, guys from Australia. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we got this, got the sports show rocking. I mean, it's there's no lack of content. And it makes me that that much more hesitant to leave because I know there could be some great, you know, cooperation between everybody. But at the same time, I also know that it would probably to, to keep from suffering lack of quality. It would be better if I ended on a high note and finished all these out for for the for the fans out there. Well, I, I, I do want to uh, offer an olive branch and I'll, I'll say it like this. Okay. Uh, you say leave. I say take a break. If you ever have a couple hours a month and you want to put one episode out a month or if you want to put one episode out whenever you've got the time if it takes two three months doesn't matter you've always got an open door here at the rogan tell podcast network if you want to come back full fledged uh you know do a season approach and and just you know come back like you like you were say last year at this time uh you've got the open invite man we are going to host your shows indefinitely we're going to keep them on the network so everyone can listen to the old and the new 
And uh, if you ever do have the time to come back, you, you've got a home. I appreciate that. I really do. That's that's great to hear. That that makes me uh makes me very happy. And I, I can I can promise you this. I'll, I'll do I'll do you this solid. If and when I do decide to you know um, to get some stuff going again and work on some stuff on the side, I will maintain same level of quality for everybody out there, yourself included, and. <laughs> I will buy a damn mixer <laughs> and buy the software, the requisite software for it. I'm going to do it upright. I'm going to put it, you know, as much hard work in it as I can, and it's going to be good. Yeah. But it may it may take a little while to get there, but it will be professional. Like you like we all like we all want. I I may be leaving, but look, there is still Super, super great content over at Rogue Intel Network. You got the Prime Podcast on when, Duff? Wednesdays and Fridays, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, these things are live, and they are a lot of fun. I've been on it. I've been a guest on one time, and there's always something. They always got something rocking and rolling. Carrie's always distraught about something, and it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 absolutely beautiful to listen to. So, and it, you, we've got some new shows, like I mentioned. We've got we got some Aussies who uh, it, that, I believe that's Remedial Radio, right? Yeah, Remedial Radio, and uh, Lint Gannon, the host of Remedial Radio, and also the uh, one of the co-hosts of Prime. He actually has a new show called Spoken Unspoken. Now, I will tell you, there is adult language in both Prime, Remedial Radio, and Spoken, but uh, they're great shows for people with open minds. People with open minds, you may find yourself not in Kansas anymore, but you'll have a good time nonetheless. (laughs) Dude, and I appreciate your time so much, and thank you for being a great guest and a great producer and a great friend. Thank you for all your help. Oh, my pleasure. It's been an honor being on the show. Uh, being invited on the show was was a big, uh, you know, like a high point in my month. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Unquote. Intro music provided by Aqua Stone Throne, and also Sam Harris's rendition of Over the Rainbow in the 1984 Star Search program. That wraps up Unquote for this week. Join me next week when I cover another one of AFI's top 100 movie quotes from their list. Remember, there's only two episodes left till the series finale, so stay tuned. I'll try to be doing more regular updates on Twitter and Facebook, so look there as well. You can always interact with me there or leave feedback on the Rogue Intel Podcast Network site. Thanks. So until next time, I'm Cooper Powers. Keep the film rolling.